Good morning to all of you. It's good to be here and uh, worship our King with you. I'd like to just take a little time this morning and share with you from Colossians chapter 1. I know I did this last time I spoke here. Uh, I spoke uh, uh, on the first part of the chapter. And I didn't feel like I was finished, and so I figured, well, you know, I'll, uh, I'll go through this again. Uh, I'm not going to try to recap a lot of the things that I talked about the last time, but um, the title that I would like to put on the sermon today found in um, verse 6, where it mentions the grace of God in truth. And so that got my attention. And there's uh, several statements, several times in the, uh, in the epistles where it referred to as the, the true grace of God, I think, is in First Peter. And then Jude also talks about um, a grace. Uh, I'll, I'll turn to it later, but it's talking about a sensuality, maybe a little bit. Uh, grace of God turned into sensuality. And so I want, I hope that when we are finished today, that it will um, give us a, a deeper understanding, maybe not even a deeper understanding, a deeper desire to, to, to dig into the Word of God and to find the heart of God uh, for our own life. I, I believe that we, as a, as a church, we desire to, to walk with God. We desire to... And I think we desire to, to, yeah, lift up Christ. Um, so I, I also know that God wants to, he's looking for fruit out of our lives. And not only, you know, as we walk with Christ, he's looking for, for fruit and he wants it to keep increasing and keep increasing. And so, so, uh, I think that uh, I think that as we walk with God, um, and not only are we we walk with God, but we are also, you know, we have a lot of uh, lot of things that influence our own hearts, our own lives, and so uh, I want I want us to 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 look at Colossians chapter one again uh, in light of. The grace of God in truth, and so I'm going to read. I'm going to read from verse three on down to down to verse twenty-three. To to start off with, it says, "We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith." In Christ Jesus and of the love that you ha- that you have for all the saints, because of and for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world. It, it is bearing fruit 
and increasing. And so, so Paul is saying the gospel that they heard, it's, it's bearing fruit in the Colossians, in the church at Colossae, and it's increasing. As it all does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you, just as you learned it from Ephaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so from the day we heard, we have to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glory and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to, to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now, those couple paragraphs there are of truth, a lot of, yeah, a lot of truth that if we take them, those truths and make them a part of our life, it will, it will change us. It will give us hope. It will give us um, even, yeah, it, it will give us hope and love and faith and thankfulness for, uh, for our Savior because, uh, as it says here, he has, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. And in, in that we, he has translated us, we now have, we are, we share in the inheritance with him. I think it actually talks, yeah. The inheritance of the saints in light. And it is, it's, it says that in, uh, in verse 12, it says, We give thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints. Which is, you know, the, these are my own words, the inheritance of the saints, eternal salvation, and the benefits. Let's say the benefits that come with being a saved person or a child of God or a saint, as it mentions here. And you know, for years, I didn't know this. <laughs> I didn't know that he rightfully did just what I read, that he conquered death. I didn't know that. And so because I didn't know it, I was living in my ignorance and being harassed and not only harassed, but being manipulated and, and controlled by the enemy. I didn't know that for years. And so uh, I remember, I'm, I'm just going to turn back to that a little bit. I remember the first time when this verse became a reality to me. 1 John 5, 13. I didn't know it was in the Bible. 
And the reason I point this out is because because of what it says here. This was this was the prayer of Paul to the church at Colossae. These were believers. These were people that believed in God. They had been saved. They had they had been born again. They were a part of the church. And he says so in verse 9. And so from the day we heard we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. I don't know when that ever stops, you know, being filled with the, with the knowledge of God. I think, I think the more we learn to know God, the more we... Yeah, the, the more we get to know God as we walk with Him, our, our life and our perspective seems to change from, you know, just, just with getting to know who God is. And that's, that's, way it, that's the way it was for me. I didn't know that in 1 John 5.13, these things, I write these things to you in the name of the Son of God. Well, I believed in the name of the Son of God. I had heard about it all my life from being a little... You know, from from my first um, understanding of, of of what was being taught to me in church, but I didn't know that I was invited to come in and to get to know this Jesus that said that he want, that you know you can come and believe on me, like it says here. These things have I written unto you who believe on the name in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Do you believe that? Do you really believe this? That's very, it's very simple and elementary. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. Somebody recently, I don't remember if it was here or I think maybe it was two weeks ago in Sunday school. Um, if I can't even remember now how it was said. But if my experience doesn't match up to what I find in the Word of God, I think that's the way it was. I might be paraphrasing it. It's not that I need to try to fit the Word of God to my experience, but rather that my experience might come catch up or come to, to what God is teaching. And I... I hope that's where we are in our hearts. I hope that's where we are in our, in our walk with Christ. In our, uh, you know, his prayer here, here was for that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will. In, in other words, you know, if I would say it this way, that, um, that we would know... That we would be confident 
Maybe say it that way. Be assured in our own hearts what our calling is, what God has called us to, so that we can be confident in working it out for His glory, so that we don't have to be walking along and say, well, I'm not sure if this is really God's heart for me. And that's what his prayer was. Because if we can't walk in confidence, the enemy has a bigger foothold. The enemy has a bigger advantage over us through doubt and not sure, just, just, just doubt. that he may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy, worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. There has to be a, a sense of confidence in my heart in order to be able to do that, that I'm, I'm where God wants me to walk. And I'm not necessarily talking about some... Calling to calling to missionary. I'm just I'm just saying as a Christian on a day to day basis, God can speak to your heart and you know, it's him speaking and you, you, you fulfill the calling that he has for you right at that moment, whether you're on the job or whether you're at home in your home um, as a mother or as a dad or as a brother or as a sister, or as a child, as an older child, you have a calling. God has a calling for you. Now, you know, he may, he may take you and lead you to the next one and to the next one as you mature and get older. But God has a calling for you. And, and his prayer for the, for the church at Colossae was that they would know what that is so that they could walk. And I, this is my own words. So they could walk in that confidence. And as they walk in that confidence, they're walking in a way or in a manner that is worthy of the Lord. Because it was said of Jesus this. He said, he always, always does those things that please the Father. And we may not have that own, we may not have that testimony ourselves. But that's what we should be striving for. That's what we should, that's what we should desire, long for. Fully pleasing to Him. He was talking to Christians, people, saints, believers. Bearing fruit. That's how you will bear your fruit. Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. I didn't know you could have a walk with Christ in that way. It was kind of an abstract thing that you, you know, you just kind of do your thing and you live your life from week to week. You go to church where we went to church every two weeks and just wait until it was finished so we can go back and do our thing. Can any of you relate to that? (laughs) You know God has something better for you than that. <clears throat> and you probably, I know we all know this. I didn't know that he had already delivered us from the domain of darkness. And yet, 
We see a lot of darkness that controls people. But it's because of unbelief. Just like it was for me, it was unbelief. He has transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So, talk about the true grace of God. You know, the, the I, I want to just go back and read a column in First Peter, chapter five. Um, and we. Maybe for I'm not going to, for the sake of time, read the first, the whole chapter, but it it kind of it kind of tells us how what it means to live or stand or or yeah or what the true grace of God is. But in verse 12 it says, "By Silvanus, a faithful brother, as I regard him, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and the and declaring that this." is the true grace of God. And what he's talking about is what he had just written to them before this. Maybe the whole chapter, I'm not exactly sure. It says, stand firm in it. Stand firm in the, in the true grace of God. Now let's, I want to turn to Titus. Verse 11, chapter 2 of Titus. For the grace of God has appeared, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. And this is what it does. It trains, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. That means right now. That means today. That's what the true grace of God will be teaching me. And it's going to be teaching you. Not, it doesn't even say teaching. It says training us. Do you know the grace of God in your life is going to be training you? Are you open for that? Are you open for that kind? This is what it's going to train you to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. 
And it's going to train you to wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify to himself a people for his own possession who are zealous of good works. That's what the grace of God will be training us to into that kind of a lifestyle, that kind of a life. Now, just for one more Bible reference. Jude, verse 3. I almost said chapter 1, one one little book, one little portion. Jude, verse 3, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. We talked about that this morning. You know, we are saints For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and denying our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that, how, how is that possible? I mean, I ask myself these questions. I mean, how can that be? How can somebody turn the grace of God into sensuality? It has to be that they, they present something that's not according to Bible. That I know that somebody can actually do that. And so don't you think it would be good for us to try to, if, if you hear, it doesn't matter what you hear. That's what you said. Does it line up? Does it, is that what the Bible is teaching me? Don't you think that would be good? There's so many things that you can you can go to and listen to these days. I mean, it's it's a dime a dozen. The perspectives, the, the, you know, the the emphasis, and a lot of them have a little bit of truth to them, or maybe a lot of truth. Are you and I wise enough to pick out what's true and? Throw the rest away. I'm just putting these things out there. <laughs> these, those are the kind of things that are on my heart sometimes. Really. So contending for the faith means that you don't just relax and sit back. It's yeah, You're actually doing something. And what you're doing, I think what we need to be doing is comparing what we hear or what we see with what the Bible says. Right? I mean, I think so. If it's that there are those that would turn the grace of our God into sensuality, I think we need to be aware. I think we need to be aware of that. 
And not only should we be aware of it, we should be able to speak out about it if we see it. Hoseas, in, in, in the, the book of Hosea, it says, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. It doesn't say that they were destroyed for rebellion. Just they were destroyed for a lack of knowledge. You know, sometimes we have to break these words down so that we can relate to what it's saying because we hear them we hear so often and uh, we just kind of, you know, it, it, it just kind of goes over our head. And so I, I um, <laughs> you know, and again, we live in a society, in a society, in a world, our world that we're familiar with, that uh, both church and non-church, that we have to, I think we have to be intentional about this kind of deception. Contending for the faith, as it says in Jude. So I look at the word sensuality. You know, uh, it's... Uh, it, So I'm just going to read, I'm just going to tell you what the definition that I found, the English definition. The first one that I found, it, it says uh, loose or wanton, lewd or lustful. The second one that I found was soft, S-O-F-T, soft. Wanton or luxurious. <clears throat> now, I'm not going to tell you what that means in your life. I'm just going to tell you that's what the definition, that each definition of this word is. If you have the Holy Spirit, He can tell you what that means to hear it. And he will, because God is, uh, Jesus is a shepherd. He cares a whole lot more about your soul than I do, or any one of us does. And so if we really want to know, he will speak to you. He'll speak to me. <clears throat> I, find it, I find it very interesting um, and so it's, so it's important that we have the knowledge of God. <clears throat> and then I, I, really wanted to, I, I really wanted to go down and talk to the about the next part or just point it out. I, I don't even feel like I need to talk much about it. it but I, I just, I'm going to read it and point uh, some things out here. The preeminence... Of Christ, and again, this has to be more for me. This has to be more than just words. It has to be actually my experience 
in verse 15 of Colossians. It says, I'm going to go back and read a few of the verses before that. Uh, Verse 12, start reading again. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints. And that inheritance of saints is simply the uh, the blessings or the goodwill, the uh, yeah the the eternal salvation that God brought to us. The inheritance of the saints in light, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Okay, now I want to start in verse fifteen. He is. I want, I want you to notice how much Christ is, is pointed out here. He is the image of the invisible God. And so, again, I, I just want to tell you, if you study the life of Jesus, that is the heart of God. Because it was God, the eternal God in the flesh. So you and I can get to know him. So you and I can see him. See what he did. See what was important to him. And that's what's important to the Father. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created. That's God. That's Jesus. Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. And so... We don't have to be afraid of principalities and powers, whether you can see them or whether you can't see them, because they were created by him. They're subject to him. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might have the preeminence. And so I'm saying, if that is really our heart, he's going, it's going to be a pleasure to walk with him because we want him to be preeminent. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. To me, that just kind of, to me, that just kind of puts icing on the cake. He was pleased to dwell, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to, was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven making peace by the blood of his cross. Now, Paul says, Colossians, And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Indeed, you continue in the faith. Stable and steadfast. And that's simply talking about contending for the faith. Where Jesus Christ is the, he's the head. He's the head of everything. 
stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, am become a minister. So I'm going to close with that. Um, there's a lot of things I could probably say, but I'm going to close with that and just encourage us to walk in that faith. Walk in the redemption that you've been redeemed, you've been redeemed by. By faith. Uh, yeah, I'm done. God bless you.